You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. How are you doing? Yeah! I need a lot more interaction today. Um, I got two really quick housekeeping announcements that I want to give us. Uh, the first one is which, uh, on Friday, if I'm right, maybe I should know my announcements before I give them, um, we have a banquet for Gospel Passion Ministries. Um, and so Stephen Carlton, who is our family ministry director, him and his family had started a ministry over in Ethiopia, because uh, that's where his wife is from and his family's from. And so they uh, started this ministry to save and free women from sex trafficking. Um, and they started this house that gets them back on their feet, teaches them a trade, and allows them to enter back into the, to the real world so that they don't have to provide for themselves in any other way. And so it is an amazing ministry. There's a banquet on this Friday. So if you go in the back, all the way to the left, there's a table with different QR codes and different handouts. Um, here's what I have to say. If you've never had Ethiopian food, it is the bomb. It is so good. When they first came on staff, yeah. And so uh, it is the best thing ever. Even my daughter, who's 11, says that. So um, when, you, when you come, I mean, one cool thing is that you eat with your hands, uh, which I love. Um, and so, uh, but it's just, it's just amazing. And so it's a great uh, experience, an opportunity, especially if you've never had Ethiopian food, but it's an amazing ministry that we get to support and be, uh, to really help fund and fuel uh, over there in Ethiopia. So please consider just even finding out more information about it. If you're not available, um, you can still grab one of those cards and donate to the ministry directly. Um, and then uh, the second thing is, uh, God is growing the life of our church uh, via babies. And so we can look around and just see how blessed we are. So Miguel and Natalie, Miguel, one of our worship leaders, uh, he, uh, they had their baby. Um, so that's often Ethan. So yeah. Um, and so they're super excited. They're on Cloud9. So we want to thank Ben, who also just had a baby, uh, for stepping in. Uh, and uh, Ben actually started FMCC with us as our worship leader and one of our leaders. And he's a deacon um, and just does a phenomenal job uh, leading us into the presence of the Lord. And so so uh, we're, we're just so excited um, that God is growing this church and that we are being fruitful and multiplying. Um, and so uh, just know we have worked really, really hard to get um, different areas available um, just because uh, it's difficult, right, in, in a space like this uh, with sound traveling. So we have some safe spaces for uh, moms specifically to go so that you could feel comfortable, um, especially when you have to change and do all those things. And so there's a mother's room right towards the back on the left as you're walking back. Um, and that's specifically for moms and babies to go in there to feel like it's a safe space for them. There's a live feed in there. And then in the foyer, dads, you can go out there. We have a live feed out there um, and we're getting some changing tables set up in the men's room um, so that you can chip in and help change diapers because you need to do so. Um, and then our children's ministry is, is doing great and phenomenal. Uh, Heather Wilkie, who has been with us for uh, years and years, she has been a, a faithful servant of this church. Uh, she has held crazy different amounts of roles. And so she has done everything from babies through administration. Um, she has been full-time. She's been part-time. She has been a volunteer. And so she has just held the plethora uh, of, of ministry within this church. Um, and in this season, because she's a young mom and, and growing uh, their family, and um, she is stepping back from the administration of our kids' ministry. Um, so just love on her uh, and their family in this season uh, as they're transitioning out of ministry. It's a sad season for them because she loves it. She loves the kids. The kids love her. The leaders love her. 
quarter. Um, so it's an it's a emotional season, um, but just love on them well as they transition out. And if you have any administrative gifts or you love kids, please come talk to us because we do, I mean, Heather did so much. And so we have a void. And so if you could come talk to me afterwards directly, um, that way uh, we can get you set up to start maybe helping us out uh, as the ministry is growing in this season. Sound good? All right. Let me pray for us. We're going to dive into the word. Jesus, thank you for your word. That the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That we get to come to a place pause from the craziness of life and be reminded that you are all-powerful, you are all-knowing, you are everywhere, and you are good. And so, God, I pray that right now we would sense your presence, that you would stir in our hearts and in our minds for your glory. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So we desire to be a church that is vulnerable and transparent, um, that this is a safe space. Um, so it's confession time. Has anybody ever ran into a glass door? Please. All right. I, and if you're not raising your hand, I probably think that you're lying in church. Um, it's just somehow, some way, in the busyness of life, either, okay, maybe I have to clarify, a screen door or a glass door. Okay, yeah, okay, then the rest of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... It, doors are a part of our lives. I mean, we have them on our houses. We go into buildings. I mean, that, that is part of the world that we live in. And, and doors have all different sorts of meanings. And so we can use the phrase, like, uh, uh, we're talking about a door. We could be talking about something very physical, right? Like the door to my house. Like, oh, hey, come to the side door. Come to the front door. Uh, or it could be something that's more uh, emotional or spiritual. It's some, something figurative, like uh, God opened a door or he closed a door. And so... These analogies, when we start looking at them, especially the ones that are found in Scripture, um, can have different meanings, and sometimes they could be confusing, and, and we can ask the question, what is God actually trying to say to us in this? Um, and I want to explain a little bit about what we're doing here, because last week we started a series, I Am, and it's in the book of John, and we're going through the I Am statements of Jesus, and, and the hope from the elders is that, that we are coming to the word of God, and we are allowing God to stir something in our heart and in our mind about who he is and what he has done. And this week we're talking about the statement, I am the door, but but just by saying that, I mean, it can have many meanings. And all throughout Scripture, God uses these analogies to give us a bit of insight into who he is, what he's done. And it's not meant to confuse us, but give us an understanding of a God who is way more complex than we could ever wrap our minds around. But he reveals himself in these tangible ways that we want to understand and know. So he says things like, I am the sheep that lays down my life. And then he says, I am the shepherd. And then he says, I am the door. And we're sitting here going like, wait, wait, how could you be all three of those things? You're the sheep, you're the door, you're the shepherd. And it's like, yes. He's all those things. He's not just the door or just the sheep or just the shepherd. He's all of them and then some. And so today we're pressing in on what does it look like for Jesus to be the door that provides access, protection, and security. 
And so let me read this for us. John 10, if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to hold it in your hand so you're not just, just taking my word for it or, or watching the screen. Um, we wanted to get used to holding this. Um, if you have a phone, there's a great YouVersion Bible app that you can open up and follow along with. John 10, we use the ESV here uh, at FMCC. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his sheep, his own sheep, by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus is the door that provides access. We see this in verses 1 through 5 and in verse 9, where he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pastures. So doors give us access. This is, this is our, our um, understanding of, of physical doors and, and uh, physical doors and figurative doors. But what does Jesus provide access to? You ever uh, maybe go to the grocery store or come home from work and you've got bags and you're holding things and you kind of roll up on your door and it's locked and you didn't expect it to be locked, right? It's, so, so there's this access that we're being provided through the door that is open. But what is it access to? Well, the door is access to the blessings of the kingdom, the Father, the pasture. It's the only way to salvation, but sin broke access. In essence, locked the door. Sin has broken our access to the kingdom, to the Father, to the pasture, and to salvation. So what is this sheepfold that he's talking about? So I don't know if you have a picture in your mind um, because we don't necessarily have a lot of sheep's pens around here. Um, but, but what shepherds would do is they would take their flock and they would go into the pasture and, and often, uh, especially in this area of Judea, that, that it was kind of this plateau that they couldn't farm on because it was so rocky but they would take their sheep there because they could graze on the grass that grew within the rocks. And so they would go out. And then at night, these shepherds would come back in and there would be this sheepfold. And it would often be either a concrete or a brick wall that surrounded the whole thing. And there was an access point, the door that would allow you in and out of this sheepfold. And um, I, I, I follow along with what John MacArthur says where he says often we can misinterpret what the sheepfold is because people would say, oh, that's the church. But we don't see God, Jesus coming in and taking people in and out of the church. He, he then goes on to say, well, then people say, well, it's heaven, but we don't see God taking people in and out of heaven. So what is this sheepfold? What is he speaking of in this, in this arena and to these people? Well, he's actually talking about the Jews, so there was this sheepfold, the chosen people of God that are seen in the Old Testament. 
In the Old Testament, God made a promise to a man named Abraham. And he said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And, and in a few generations, there were these 12 sons. And those 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. So the, the father of those 12 sons, his name was Jacob. Jacob wrestles with God. God changes his name to Israel. Israel has these 12 sons. That becomes the 12 tribes of Israel. These are the Jews. And this sheepfold would have talked about those that were Jewish. Now, I know for us here today, we have some that are actually of Jewish descent. We have a few people here that, that grew up in a Jewish family and, and they have a heritage um, as a Jew. But that's not the majority of the people that are in this room. And so when we're talking about providing access, this is actually really good news for this room. Because what he's talking about is there are those that are in the fold that are the chosen people of God, the Jews, but he has come because there is another fold, another flock. And what he's going to do is he's going to unite these two and make them one. And this door is what is going to provide access to the family of God. Look at verse 16. We haven't read that yet. It says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. This is where we're seeing he's talking to the Jews that they are the chosen people of God, but they are following the law. They think it's the law that saves them. So they're, in a lot of ways, figuratively thinking that there's the law, and the law becomes this door that gives them access in and out of the family of God. But he's saying, no, 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 no. I am the door. And so he's trying to reorient their minds and their hearts to understand that it's not following the law that enables salvation, gives them the kingdom of God, gives them this access to God. It's actually a person, and that person's name is Jesus. He's saying, I am this door that opens up access to the kingdom of God, to a relationship with God and your creator. So he's talking to the Jews and telling them that there is another flock, another fold that he's going to unite and bring one. And here's why this is good news. Because all people get personal access to be part of his flock. Young and old, rich, poor, Jew, Gentile. It doesn't matter your status. It doesn't matter your role. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. He's saying there is access now for all people to be a part of the family of God. This access is good news. Like we sit in this room today only because Jesus is the door and Jesus has allowed us to be a part of his family. Like, I, maybe you're confused right now and you're sitting here like, yeah, I still don't get this, like, the difference between Jews and Gentiles and what all that has to do with this and, and the sheepfold, but you wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be able to even say that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and say I am a Christian and say that, that I have a personal relationship with Jesus without Jesus opening the door to all people, all types of people. And in fact, it was those that were so ingrained in religion that they, they missed out on the fact that, that they could have a relationship with God. And next week we get to talk about what does it look like for him to be the shepherd. And so I don't want to dive in too much to that because, because right now we're just talking about this access that we have been given through Jesus to be a part of his family. And there are those that are Jewish that do not place their faith in the door. 
that do not place their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so he's specifically speaking right now to the Jews and telling them that, that they need to understand that he's the door, not the Mosaic Covenant, not their forefathers. Even though they're all good, he is saying, you need me, Jesus. So Jesus is the door that provides access. In verse 3, it says, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And so Jesus gives them access, but not only access, he gives them protection. Look at verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So the door allows access to the shepherd to come in and out and lead the sheep to the pasture. But then there's this other party that he starts speaking about. This thief, this robber. So the thief has one goal. To steal and to slaughter. That's the only goal of the thief. The thief is not thinking, what I want to do is I want to take all of these sheep and I want to create another fold and I want to love them and care for them and I want to cuddle them. Oh, they're sheep. They're so cute and cuddly. And, and I want to lead them to this green pasture where, where they get to enjoy the fullness of life. That is not the goal of the thief. The only goal of the thief is to slaughter and destroy like, he wants to take advantage of the sheep. But this thief is sneaky. This thief is, is crafty. And here we see a different goal for Jesus. It's, it's not that, that he has come to control the sheep or he has come to um, lord over them in a way where he oppresses them. No, it's actually that he, he comes to the sheep. What we see in verse 15 here is, is he comes and he lays down his life for the sheep. If the robber was trying to steal sheep and a wolf or a lion or a bear came, do you know what the robber would do? He'd run away because he didn't care about the sheep. But here we see the good shepherd who wants to lead the sheep to green pastures, who wants to lead the sheep to a place where they find the fullness of life. And he's saying, not only will I lead them to green pastures, but I am going to lay down my life when the enemy attacks. I'm going to give myself up. And so he provides this protection for the sheep in a way that no one else, nothing else could ever do. The door protected the flock of sheep against the predators and the thieves, particularly at night. You ever experience a season where it just feels like it's a never-ending night? Often some, some old um, theologians have called it the dark night of the soul, where the world just presses in on you, and you wake up in the middle of the night, and your chest is hurting, and you're sweating, and you don't know what tomorrow may bring? Has anybody experienced that recently? I have. And it's in the darkness that the shepherd is there, that the door is protecting us. 
I love, I don't know where I got this quote. Sometimes I find things and I paste them and then I forget where I find them. But here's a quote that I found and, and I really love what it says. The complexity of our world, as well as its dangers, prompt us to seek safety and security. Some people seek these things in the arms of a spouse. Others look for them in a bank account. Many people put all their hope in the government to keep them safe from evildoers. But as we know all too well, none of these things, nor any other created entity, can guarantee safety. Only Christ provides the ultimate protection from all that can harm us. In him we are safe forever from all enemies. The enemy is real. Demons are real. Satan is real. And often, not just swift stealing where he's coming in and just a, a big swoop and you're done, but often it's a gradual coaxing invitation to come join in what he is trying to tell you is a better pasture, a better way, something that that he wants you to believe is going to bring you more life than what God has provided. I know I go here often, but I mean, this is exactly what we see in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. God provides all this amazing, beautiful stuff for Adam and Eve, and it's everything they could ever need, ask, want, or imagine. But what does the enemy do? He comes in, and very craftily, he tries to make Eve believe that she's missing out, that there's more fun to be had doing this. Recently heard of a, of a couple, young couple that had gotten married, and the wife just felt like she was young and she was missing out on life, and so she ran off to just go explore all the things that she felt she was missing out on. Often when I hear of divorce, I hear of people divorcing because they feel like they're missing out. They feel like there's more out there for them that they haven't experienced. And Jesus is trying to remind us that he is all that we need. He is all that we need. And he wants to protect us from the schemes of the devil, of the evil one. I've been on a huge C.S. Lewis kick lately. He just articulates things so well. He's an author and writer and um, wrote this book, The Screwtape Letters. And he says this, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Often it's just this little wooing in uh, college, I, I went with some friends on uh, an expedition, and we went to live out on the water on a houseboat. Um, and we took this little dinghy, and we wanted to go to a place, and we were looking on the map, and so we, we, there was a little dial that has like, you know, 360 degrees, and you're supposed to follow it at a certain degree. And as we started going towards this thing, and we were trying to drive this boat miles, um, we were off 2%. That's all we were off. But that 2% landed us in the middle of a protected, endangered area in the Florida Keys. And we got pulled over by the, like the, the water police. Um, and, and, like, and we got in some huge trouble because of that two-degree shift. That's 
how the devil works. He just wants to get us. And, and we see that in our culture because everybody wants to have a voice. Everybody wants to be an expert. And so if you're on social media and, and you're on uh, Twitter and you're on all of the things, um, you can find an article that may align with something that you're feeling. I think this is good, so let me go on Google and Google this, and then you can find something that's going to say, oh, yeah, that's okay with the Bible. And it may just be two degrees off. But we read it because we have a desire of something, and we want to find people that agree with us. And guess what? We have access to the world now of people that will agree with us. But that doesn't mean that those people agree with God. And so there has to be an ultimate authority. We don't like that. We like relative truth. What's good for you is good for you. What's good for me is good for me. We don't want absolute truth. Until you really think about it, if there was no absolute truth, it would be utter chaos. Everybody just following their own desires. And guess what? That's where we are. There is no king in the land of Egypt. There's no king in the land of Israel. There's no king in the land of America. Because we want to be our own king. And guess what? When there's a world of eight billion kings, not going to go well. He gives us protection from the enemy. We see an example of the door's protection in the book of Exodus. And I love this. Uh, Dave and I were talking about this this week. And there are these people that are in captivity. The Israelites, the chosen people of God. The Egyptians have them in captivity. And God is sending these plagues. And one by one, these plagues hit the Egyptians. And then finally at the end, God is going to send the angel of death through the camp to destroy all the firstborn sons. And you know what the only protection was for the Israelites and any of those that would put their faith in God? They were to take a lamb and slaughter the lamb, take the blood, and put it where? Over the door. To take that blood and to put it on the, the posts, the lentil. And it was that blood and that door that protected the people of God from the angel of death. So Jesus is not just, just going into like, I'm the door, you know, open and close and, and things are good. No, 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 there's deep meaning in what Jesus is trying to get them to understand. A group of people that would have known and even celebrated, this is going towards Passover. He's, he's, they're gonna be about to celebrate that. And he's saying, I am the door. I'm the one who protects you. And I, I can't really get into it now, but, but that protection is not only from the thief and the robber, but it's actually from the wrath of God. And I know we don't talk about that enough, and I know I don't have time to really dive into that. But what I mean by that is sin separates us from God and makes us an enemy of God. Our sin. And God will destroy all sin. The only thing that will protect you and I against the ultimate destruction of sin and sinners and enemies of God is the door, is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, 
and the life. And it is faith and belief in him that saves us from the thief and the robber and from ultimate destruction and separation for all of eternity from God. So, Jesus is the door that provides access. He is the door that provides protection. And here's the last thing. For everyone who trusts in the door, he protects and he keeps you. He is our security. Now, security is different than protection, and here's why. Look at verses four and five. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now look at verses 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd, which is what we're talking about next week. I know my own and my, know, my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. So, a few chapters back, last week, in uh, John chapter 6, we talked about how Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Do you remember last week? So I am the bread of life. And in that, in John chapter 6, verse 37 and 40, Jesus right here in verses 14 and 15 and verses 4 and 5 are actually alluding all the way back to the conversation he had with the same people in chapter 6. And this is what he says in John 6, 37 through 40. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father." that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. The security of our salvation is something that I believe every believer wrestles with. I think we struggle often. When I was growing up, I, I had this belief that, that my salvation would, would just disappear when I did things that were wrong, and I knew it. Or I, for some reason, thought that every time I prayed the prayer of faith, it was like an every other thing, and it, and it only worked every other time. And so literally, two, three, four, five times a day, I was praying the prayer for salvation because I was so uncertain, am I saved now? Am I not saved now? Uh, oh, I just did that. I, sh I must not be saved. Let me pray again. And so it, we, would, we would go, like in my life, I would go back and forth and think these days where I just felt like, oh, I'm not sure. Ever have that? But here's the good news. Jesus, on the cross, said, it is finished. He did not say, to be continued. He said it is finished because in him, he completed the salvation process by his life, death, and resurrection. And he says, believe in me. Now, I know that that's hard because we're like, well, yeah, but, 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 and we have all these, these buts because we're uncertain and we're unsure and, and, and life is hard. And here, here's the deal. If you didn't know this already, I want to I wanna let you in on a little secret. You will mess up. You will fail. Um, you will do something today that will embarrass yourself, 
that will in some way, shape, or form make you guilty and shameful. Um, and you'll do that again tomorrow and the next day. But God has given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, what the job of the Holy Spirit is, is to point us continually to Jesus and convict us so that we draw closer to Jesus. That's, that's the whole point of our relationship with God, is to come closer to him. The devil uses a different tool. He uses condemnation. Condemnation uh, makes us run from God. When we feel condemned, we want to separate and isolate from God. That's a tool of the devil. That's not a tool of God. What God does is he convicts, and that conviction that's by the Holy Spirit draws us closer to God. So if you're ever feeling something where, where you're like, oh, God doesn't want to hear from me right now, that's not of God. If you're ever doing something or been a part of something in life where, where you want to run from God, that's not of God. But if you're feeling something and stirring inside you saying, oh, I, I, I shouldn't be doing this, I shouldn't be acting this way, and it causes you to run to his throne of grace with confidence, then you can trust that that's the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit wants to draw you into relationship with himself. Because there is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And so in Romans 8, we see this. Because the big question is, is can I lose my salvation? But not if we really truly believe Hebrews where he says that God is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. It is finished. He is the author in Romans 8.30. says, And those whom he predestined he also called, and those whom he called he also justified, and those whom he justified he also glorified. God will keep those that are his children. And in this context, he is trying to help us understand that as the door, he is the one who grants access. He is the one who protects, and he is the one who keeps secure those that are his. And if right now you are feeling this stir of like, ah, oh, but I'm uncertain, then here's what I want to invite you to do. Run to the feet of Jesus. Fall down before Jesus and just say, I need you. And in those moments when you're doubting in the middle of the night and those moments when you're scared and you feel alone, run to the feet of Jesus because he's not distant. He is present. He is near. And he keeps you secure. And so what's our response to this? Because I do believe that I know a lot of you and I actually have a fortunate opportunity as a pastor to get to know many of you and I know that you would say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And so, yes, I know he gives me access. Yes, I know he is my protection. I know he it keeps me secure. So what do I do with this? Here's what I would say. Pray for the other people around you that God has given you in your circle of influence. We each have a circle of influence that God has given us. Um, and I don't have that access into the lives that, that Logan has. Logan lives in a different neighborhood than I do. He goes to different stores than I do. And God has given him a very specific circle of accountability, right? This, this, and so pray for those that are around you that God would open the door to salvation to them. We have belittled prayer in our culture and in our society and in our faith. But we can literally pray people into salvation, Pray for people. I love what um, Lee Strobel says. He's an apologetic, uh, apologist, and he, um, he's an author, and he said this. If, if Jesus appeared to you today and told you 
that he was going to bring to salvation every single person that you have prayed for last week, how many people would that be? That slammed me in the face this week. Because I was like, not many. Am I truly praying for those around me that God would open up their eyes that he is the door to life and to the fullness of life? Because the devil only comes to steal, kill, and destroy every single person that you know that's around you. But Jesus has come to give them life and life to the full. Church, are we praying over the lostness in our communities, at our workplaces, in our gyms, in our neighborhoods? Are we praying that God would open up their eyes, that he is the door, and praying that God gives us opportunities to proclaim the gospel to them so that they may know that he is the door? Because what we should really desire is that they know life and that they do not experience death. And so... Mission starts with prayer. And for believers, there's nothing more important than the door being open to those around us. If we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, how could we not go and share that with everybody else? How could we not pray for those around us? You know those difficult relationships that you have in your life? What if we started praying for them, for them to come to know Jesus in a fresh, new way, even if they claim already to be a Christian? Could we be praying for them that God would reveal himself to them in a fresh new way so that he may bring them into the fullness of life? And if you're a guest here and you're unsure about God and a relationship with God, here's what I want you to know. Jesus is inviting you to be a part of his family. He wants you to know that his arms are open and that he wants you to be a part of his family. He is the door. Place your faith and your trust in him. Can I pray over us as the band come on, comes on up? Here's what we're going to do today. This is a little bit different. We have some of our team, uh, some leaders, some deacons um, that are going to be standing around the room. There's going to be some up front, some down the sides, and some in the back. Um, and they're going to be wearing some lanyards um, that say Connect Team on them. And if you need prayer for anything, would you go to them? I mean, church, like if we can't pray for each other here, are we really going to go do it out there? And so it could be just something going on at work. It could be that there's um, just a burden that you're carrying. It could be that you want them to pray for somebody. Maybe somebody that you want an opportunity to share the gospel with. Maybe it's a, a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. Maybe you don't even want to say it. You just want to walk up to somebody and say, please pray. <laughs> like, I can't tell you anything, but I need prayer. Um, I hope that you would find that this is a safe place for that. And I hope we wouldn't be a prideful people that we think we don't need it. Um, so they're going to surround the room right now. If you would start making your way there, leaders, that we have asked you to do that, um, just, just find a lanyard. Um, and um, during the last two songs, um, they're just going to be available and open. Um, and then we're going to pray uh, over each other. Jesus, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to, to the fact that you are the door, that you give us access, that you give us protection, that you give us security. And I pray that if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that if they would surrender, that they would place their trust and their faith in you and know that you have accomplished everything that they need on the cross.
and through the empty tomb. God, thank you. Thank you for the leaders that are, that are here, that are willing to pour into people. And I pray that we would be a church that are open to, to being prayed for. So we love you. We thank you. In your name we pray.